So we're about to install two new elders. And um, I think uh, I was going through this series about what am I learning these days? And I think I posted a few weeks ago, I think since I started the church back in 95, I think probably the number one thing that I was not expecting that I learned um, is about the church. I, I'm, I have a weak ecclesiology. In other words, I don't have a really good idea about the church. I never did. So 23 years ago, uh, when I started the church, I think the number one thing I've been learning for 23 years is what is the church and, and kind of fighting and kicking all the way. I'm still learning. I don't have it all figured out. I didn't grow up in a, with a strong idea of church. I left the church when I was 16 years old because um, I had just really fully committed as a follower of Christ. And all of my friends were partiers, uh, just to keep it light. And uh, I went to church and I realized all of my partying friends would not be able to understand anything that was going on in the church. And um, a good man in the church, he just when I said that to him, I said, I don't think my friends would understand any of this. He said, well, we're not going to change. And he looked away from me. And I, I clicked off at that moment. I thought, I'm out of here. And I'm done. And uh, because I cared about my friends. So... 16 years later, when we began Lakeland Community Church, um, I didn't have a much better idea about church. But when I was 32, um, I realized that I knew one thing. I wanted a church where my lost friends, where my crazy friends would feel like they could come. And that was all I really knew about church. And that's what I was after. I didn't really understand, you know, some sort of mystical bride of Christ and, you know, the one church and all this sort of thing. I I had a very utilitarian view of the church. Um, but I did understand after being 32 and getting my master's of divinity and so forth and learning a lot of things in my head about the church, I knew that it was, the church was supposed to be the kingdom of God here on earth. The, it really was supposed to be the presence of the kingdom and that it was charged with such things. And it had sort of a, an identity, you know, a, um, its own ontological essence. There, how's that for fancy? So... And so we started then with this sort of idea of church, but really mostly just a practical idea of trying to be relevant to a spiritually disconnected culture. In our culture, you know, think about it. In our culture, people are perfectly okay with private devotion and personal faith. But as far as like the church having some authority or imposing something on others, like that's not really so popular. Not, not in good old America where we all value our, our, our rights and our individual freedom and our personal authentic experience of things. I mean, just to think about it, I, I have a little thing where, um, you know, you look at bumper stickers, right? And I always pay attention to all the religious ones. And you'll see always three things on these bumper stickers. Why is it always three? I guess it's because the only thing that will fit on there. But, you know, you'll see things on bumper stickers proclaiming, like, faith, family, friends, right? You'll see that on a bumper sticker. Or you'll see God, country, and country music. You know, you'll see something like that. Or God, guts, guns, you know, or faith, family, freedom. You'll see these sort of Americanized religious content on there. What I have never, ever, ever seen on one of these bumper stickers, not that they aren't out there, I've never seen one of the three things, one of the three words ever be church. I've never seen it be church. It might be implied, say, well, you know, yeah, church, man, it's in there. If I mean, I could put four things on there, I'd put church. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. But, um, but yet the church is the single solitary strategy of Jesus and his disciples. Think about it. 
right? Jesus did not proclaim faith, family, and freedom when he proclaimed, upon this rock, I will build my church in Matthew chapter 16. Then the gates of Hades, you know, they may overpower then family and nation for sure and guts and guns and even country music, but not the church, says Jesus. Church is the one solid things. American culture does not understand the church and it's not very forgiving toward it. And, and neither did I. But I am learning. I have learned that the church is the hope of the world. I'm fully convinced of it. There's nothing else like the church in all of the world, especially in our day and age. The church is more needful now than it ever has been. And in our lifetime, the church begins with a modern-day monk in a Syrian desert afflicted by Islamic terrorist and ethnic hatred. And that monk, having been beaten and robbed for years and years, when asked, are you angry at your enemies? And the monk simply replied, we are Christians. We have no enemies. The church is this ragtag, mismatched, collection of rich and poor, educated, not educated, well put together, varying degrees of dysfunction. The church is chock full of abuse and anger and silence and sadness, as well as jovial, thankful, grateful, you know, well-heeled people. And it's all mashed up together in one village, eating and drinking from the one loaf, the one cup that is Christ, which binds them into one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. That's what binds us together. That is what makes us family. And as the once, uh, one time well, well-heeled Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to Corinth, he said this. He says, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the earth. The dregs of all things, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. All this, and still Christians turn the other cheek and are the most charitable giving humans on on the planet. The Red Cross is started by Christians. For that matter, democracy is started by Christians. Medicine is started by Christians as far as the modern day hospital. Education is started by Christians. On and on and on down the line, Christians stand up. That's what we do. Christians have stood up to emperors, kings, dictators, and despots. We have died and our life is hidden in Christ. And you cannot kill someone who's already dead. This is just a part of what binds us into being the one hope of the world. In our lives and in our time, we find little old backwater Missouri Lakeland Community Church Not famous, not powerful, not popular, seeking no office or position, nothing on media. Just a bunch of beggars telling the other beggars where the bread is. And yet, in our quiet, simple way, we have bound ourselves together under that one banner of Christ. And we have spread our presence around the world to Liberia, to Guangzhou, to Harmons, Port-au-Prince, Anapra, KCMO, and yes, even Greenwood, Missouri. We have made our influence felt. But how shall the church be led and organized? And the answer comes back, elders. This is what's been going on for 500 years in the the Protestant uh, Reformation. Elders, hedging against the idea of the control of one, which is a biblical idea of a bishopry, 
and not accepting the unbiblical idea of congregationalism, which is not in Scripture, except if you want to count that moment when they put the golden calf up there and they all voted on it and thought that was a great idea, you know, in the Exodus. Not really a positive model for congregationalism or uh, taking a vote. So, but elders was the compromise in the Reformation to say, like, we don't trust one person. They were already scared to death of kings and monarchs and so forth. And so they wanted a plurality then of leadership. People called and, and well-suited to be the leaders in the church. And that's the tradition that we stand into. They are presbyters, as Titus chapter 1, verse 5 says, and translates the Greek word presbyteros. We translate it into elders, and we hear it in common words of presbytery or presbyter, presbyterian. The qualifications are strict, married only once, not given over to much drink, respectable, charitable, mature, people of prayer. Mostly they have to have the gift of discernment. They must be able to sort through their own thoughts and desires away and from the Holy Spirit's thoughts and desires. They have to be able to read people's guts. They have to be able to understand what makes somebody tick and what's going on with them. That's the type of maturity they have. And so into this, we invite Matt and Laura, and all of you, we put them forward months and months ago as elder candidates, even a year ago, and then it was voted on uh, with the fully participating members of the church, and now today we install and get that done, what you guys have already put forward. So into this, Matt and Laura, yes, you are being invited into your fair share of shepherding with the rest of us. Messy sheep, peaceful sheep, you're going to get both. Obedient sheep, and then the fence crawlers, they'll be there. And yes, Matt and Laura, you will have to motivate your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to part with their hard-earned money for the sake of other people to do the mission of the church, whether it's here and elsewhere. You'll be trying to make them do this entirely voluntarily. It's an altruistic thing. There's no return on the investment except for purely the peace of the church and the mission of God. Yet that'll be your job. And you'll be challenged to uh, give that money yourself and to lead the way and to model that. You'll be uh, challenged to hold the body of Christ together through biblical controversy, doctrinal controversies, creedal arguments, arguments over moral dilemmas such as adultery and divorce and homosexuality, and even what entertainment programs you can stream and watch on television. That'll be your job, your task to discern that sort of thing. You'll be expected to model what it looks like to, to how you spend your money and how you raise your kids and how you spend your free time, what kind of house you live in, what kind of vacations you take, how you raise your kids, and just really, 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 how spiritual are you? And if that's not enough, your long-term job is not to become great at Lakeland. Your long-term job is to quietly fade away and give away your role to somebody else. And as the old Chinese proverb says, when the leaders led the best, the people said, we did it ourselves. That's what you're charged with doing, to give it away to a next generation. All of this, and you also are accountable to Almighty God Most High. Someday, more so than all of the rest of your brothers and sisters, you will stand before God Almighty and give account of yourself of how you led the church. It is a higher calling, and it comes with a higher cost. You will stand alone to give account. And that will be a moment where you will understand that it is all worth it when I think you will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your master. And now everyone, 
may we enter into the joy in the moment as we celebrate the installation of these elders. So, elders, um, would you arise and come forward to the platform and present yourselves for the task at hand? So, what's going to happen here, uh, so you know who's on first, um, we are going to ask questions of Matt and Laura, and they're going to answer in the affirmative, and then we're going to ask you all a question as well, in which you're expected, you're fully fully participating members to answer in the affirmative as well, okay? And um, so we're going to do that, and then we are going to go through the service of uh, the laying on of hands and installing them as elders. So would you arise, please, at this moment for this sacred moment? He's a school teacher. Pay attention, Matt. Sorry. (laughs) Matt and Laura, do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the systems of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? I do. Matt and Laura, do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with the system of doctrine as taught in the scriptures and as contained in the Westminster Confession of Faith, Lakeland Community Church's Book of Government, and the catechisms of this church, you will on your own initiative make known to your church session the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow. I do. Matt and Laura, do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? I do. Do you subscribe to the government and the discipline of Lakeland Community Church? I do. Matt and Laura, do you promise subjection to your fellow officers in the Lord? I do. Matt and Laura, have you been induced, as far as you know in your own heart, to accept the office of elder from love of God and sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? I have. Matt and Laura, do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church? Whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account. I do. do. Madam Laura, will you seek to be faithful and diligent in the the exercise of all your duties as elder, whether personal or relative, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before this congregation of which God will make you an officer. I do. Laura and Matt, are you now willing to take responsibility in the life of this congregation as an elder? And will you seek to discharge your duties, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed? I do. This is vow for all of us. 
on behalf of these elders. Do you, the fully participating members of this congregation, continue to receive Laura Hartwig and Matt Sisk as elders, and do you continue your promise to yield to them and to all your elders all that honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which the ordination as an officer entitles them, according to the word of God and to the constitution of Lakeland Community Church? If so, answer, we do. Now, Lord, would you anoint Laura and Matt and install them as elders in your church, as shepherds. Give them all the strength you can muster, Lord. May the Holy Spirit be very present over them. May they have the gift of discernment and leadership. And may you be kind to them. And may we be kind to them as well. Give them strength and give them the power to lead. Make them daring in the face of all sorts of opposition. And may they be brave and strong and so, so much in prayer about your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Arise, Matt and Laura. So we give you your own Bible. So may you receive the scriptures, and may you teach from it, as you will here in just a moment. And uh, may that word of God be alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, able to discern and cut all the way to the bone. May you not shy back from it. And also then, we also give you the gift of the anointing oil. So may you uh, anoint the, the congregation. And as we like to say, may you comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable with that oil. So, uh, and then, um, let's see. So, and now I have the pronouncement for you. By the authority of the Presbyterian Church Universal and the church session of this congregation, I declare that Matt Sisk and Laura Hartwig have been ordained to the office of ruling elder and have been properly installed in that office agreeable to the word of God and the laws of this church. As such, they are entitled to be given support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. Elders, you can depart. And we will now hear, we ask uh, Matt and Laura to do a short teaching because the elders are required to teach the church. And so they will teach right now from the essentials. Good morning. Well, now. So, since I was old enough to remember, I've been part of different communities. (laughs) Yes, God? (laughs) I've been a part of different communities of people. My family, sports teams, friends, and uh, friends with common interests and people that I work with have all made up those groups that I have had different seasons with throughout my life. That didn't take long, did it? (laughs) Thanks, Julie. So then there's this very special relationship and community that I have right here at Lakeland Community Church. And I'll speak more about that in a moment. Lakeland holds to a certain set of beliefs. Our foundational belief is that the Bible is the infallible word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. It speaks the truth as to the nature of the heart of God and our relationship with him, 
And it also tells us the story leading to our salvation through Jesus Christ's victory on the cross. It is the final consult in all things related to our faith. In addition to this foundational belief of the Word of God, our church holds two other truths, which we call essentials of the faith. These essentials are, in essence, non-negotiables that are common to all true believers and churches of the faith. Doubting, questioning, challenging, and eventual acceptance of these beliefs are all a normal and healthy part of every person's coming to faith journey. I would like to share one of these essentials with you, and more importantly, how I have seen God lift this idea off of the page and transform it into a reality through the people of Lakeland Community Church. So, from the Westminster Confession of Faith, Essentials of the Faith, number five. The true church is composed of all persons who, through saving faith in Jesus Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, are united together in the body of Christ. The church finds her visible yet imperfect expression in local congregations where the word of God is preached in its purity and the sacraments are administered in their integrity, where scriptural discipline is established and where loving fellowship is maintained. For her perfecting, she she awaits the return of her Lord. So when I was 22 years old, (laughs) just a young buck, yeah, Uh, my wife and I wandered into this church looking for a place to call our own, looking for a place to be our home. Uh, I prepared this time. (laughs) I found that and a whole lot more. Laura, I'm sorry, this is taking longer than four minutes. I didn't plan the, the cry moments in here. I found a church that engaged God with the holy sacraments of communion and baptism. Both of these sacraments are looked upon as symbols of our faith and as reminders of our relationship with God. As followers of Jesus Christ, these actions help bond our church community in our beliefs. Coming to Lakeland, I found pastors who are students of the Word of God and who have helped me become one as well. These pastors lead and serve by example, not just from behind the pulpit. We found a church that loves to rock, to reverently rock a Sunday morning with music, spiritual disciplines, prayer, and sermons that try to reach all demographics, social strata, and religious backgrounds. If you're not careful, the Spencers will even hug you when you walk through the front doors. (laughs) Our children's ministry loves children and engages them in epic stories of the Bible through games, art, sacred space, music, quiz, and seminary stations. Our kids have always loved coming to this church because of how much fun it is and how much they learn. We found a church that is a family of authentic, imperfect people who chase after God, and who are saved by His grace. These people are vulnerable and real about their misgivings, shortfalls, and sins. The church, this church believes in second, third, and fourth chances, primarily because God does too. Through tithing and capital campaigns, this church has taught me about sacrificial giving and about how powerful and life-changing my money and privilege can be. Tara and I have traveled to China and Haiti through the initiatives that this church helps to fund. 
and support. And, uh, and then those trips have given us perspective on our lives and God's role in it in a way nothing else ever has. We have a church that teaches us to retreat, be quiet, and listen for the voice of God. We found a church that rallies to our side when we're deep in the seasons of brokenness and despair. A church that lays hands on and prays over individuals and families through deaths, jobs, job problems, broken relationship, addictions, and habitual sins. During these dark times, it's a church that sends more food your direction than you can ever possibly eat. And this church also knows how to play hard, enjoy one another's company, and it knows how to celebrate. This church looks to God for guidance and to each other for a hand to hold and a listening, non-judgmental ear. The incredible people of this church are skilled individuals who use their strengths and talents to further the kingdom of God and serve others. They show up to help you move across town, fix your car. Thank you, Caleb. Build your fences and paint your house. Thank you, Charlie Belt. This church loves my wife and my kids. It strives to teach functionality to our dysfunction. Through this church, Tara and I found our best friends, our loudest supporters, our friends in prayer, our Colorado 14 climbing partners, and fellow fire pit watchers. Guys, the simple truth is this. Lakeland Community Church has offered more fellowship, friendship, love, and warmth than we could have ever imagined. It has been the church to us, just as Paul described it to the churches he wrote letters to in Ephesus, Corinth, and Galatia. The community of believers here is why we serve, and it is exactly the reason why we stay. I am humbled and proud to be a part of this church. I am humbled and proud to serve our church, and to be part of an already amazing team of teaching and ruling elders who continually model for me what it means to lead, to care for one another, and to discern the word of God together. I am excited to be a part of what God has in store for this church and its awesome, authentic people. Thanks for allowing me to be part of this family. friends. Um, I also brought up tissue just in case. Um, I cried a bit last week when we did the panel of elders and my daughter Ruby told me that was super awkward. (laughs) So I'm going to try not to pull out the tissue. Um, I'm going to talk with you about another one of our essentials which Matt queued up perfectly. These are our non-negotiables, the the crucibles of our one faith. Um, This morning, the one I'll be talking about is the Great Commission given by Jesus to his disciples and, of course, to us. Um, That's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And they say, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we're all very familiar with that text. It is, after all, the Great Commission. Most of us have heard that commandment and thought of it as a um, commandment to tell others the formula, the formula for salvation, or to be able to give a brief narrative of the gospel story itself. And these are good things to do. Um, Having said that, I'd like to draw a couple of points um, about that command that Jesus gave us. First, when Jesus said teaching them, um, that's how it's translated to us. Um, But that was actually much more than just transferring information. That was not teaching people that two plus two is four. Um, When Jesus said that, um, his disciples would have put that into the context of, of the Jewish model of teaching and also the example that Jesus had just given them over the past three years that they lived life together. Discipling, disciple making, and teaching does include information, but it also includes coming alongside people, mentoring them, living a life with them that puts the good news of of Christ's salvation at the center of your life. It's not just about a formula. It's about spiritual formation of your life. Um, And it's a reminder to us that that performing the Great Commission is not a 10-minute encounter. It's It's a call to live alongside people. Um, to bring them into your habits and practices of putting God at the center of your life, of loving God and loving neighbor. Dan likes to talk about the three ends. Um, they are engage, invest, and invite. And what that reminds us is that w- we, we live amongst a community that needs to hear the good news. And we engage with those people, we invest, and then we invite them into our community, our community of faith. That brings me to the next point that I want to pull out. And that, that great commissioning that Jesus gave, he didn't actually give it to an individual. He didn't give it to Laura, he didn't give it to Matt. He gave it to a group. And there's actually a few times that Jesus tells um, the group that they will go and be his witnesses after the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon, upon them. But in each case, it was given to a group. Um, one of the authors that I looked at as I was thinking about the Great Commission this week wrote that the Great Commission isn't a task given to isolated individuals, but it's an identity given to a community. Friends, it's our identity. And it means that we do it together. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We have this entire body, one faith, one baptism, one church. And our disciple-making and our teaching is done as a body. That last in from Dan, invite, means inviting people into this community, into your small group, into your friends who meet for breakfast on Wednesday mornings, whatever that may be. And we we don't have to memorize a formula we have a life and a family to draw people into. So, absolutely, do share the great good news. 
that God has offered us salvation through faith in Christ and is a completely free gift. And also, breathe easy. It's not about mentioning a formula, but about willingness to come alongside to invite into our one faith, one baptism, one church. Thank you.